keep walking From daybreak till the falling night The days turn into weeks and years And years turn into lifetimes Just keep walking well, it all started with three little words. In the spring of 2012, Justin Skizuk asked his best friend of nearly 40 years, Patrick Gray, to tackle the epic 500-mile pilgrimage across northern Spain called the Camino de Santiago. The challenge? Well, Justin lives in a wheelchair. And uh, when asked, Patrick's response was simple and direct. He said, I'll push you. And that's what we're talking about right here, right now, with Justin Skizuk and Patrick Gray from I'll Push You, a heartfelt film about 500 miles, two best friends, and one wheelchair, and a whole lot of bad jokes. Hi, guys. Yes. How you doing? <laughs> hey, man. How you doing? <laughs> I watched your stupid trailer, and your stupid trailer made me cry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we get that a lot. We do. We, it's been an unfortunate byproduct of um, being as open and real as as honest as possible and uh we've made a lot of people cry uh over the last <laughs> couple years yeah. uh, but in a good it's a good cry i think it's um, a good cry and, that's uh, nice it's a good cry it lets you know you're human yeah come on man hey, so <laughs> having just finished the camino this year myself or i guess it'd be last year now the first thing that comes into everybody's mind especially if they've done any sort of serious hiking is come on you didn't really do the whole thing in the wheelchair there's no way i know there's parts I like it's like the people the guys in the bikes you know i did the camino on my bike no you didn't you got off your bike and walked a ton of it well i guess <laughs> i guess that may that may not be possible justin for you to get off your wheelchair and walk part of it i'd have to be dragged it'd be a different title i'll drag you <laughs> um you know believe it or not we we did probably 95, 98% of it. I mean, we did the entire thing, um, but, you know, there were there were some sections that, you know, I mean, we did most of it. I would probably say the, some of the uh, challenges that I had to come across were, um, some of the things that we ran into were more of longevity, cons- you know, conserving, mm-hmm. you know, because Patrick, you know, going over the Pyrenees was, was by far, you know, the hardest, one of the hardest things we went through, but then how do you sustain that over, uh, the course of a month plus, you know, and, uh, you know, doing it on foot is, is a challenge, but pushing a 250 pound wheelchair across, um, you know, various terrain, um, is, is obviously quite challenging. So yes, we actually did most of it. Um, there were, the reason why I say most is because there were some sections that we had like, our, our second day in, our wheel front wheel broke off my wheelchair. So nice. nice. There was no way, you know, Patrick and and our buddy Ted that was with us could uh, for the first you know week or so, you know, drag you know basically two wheel rickshaw at that point because I had a three wheel wheelchair. There's it's just we had to get the chair repaired. There's no way. Um, so we had to skip from. Uh, I, I can't remember where uh, we launched. We were, I don't know. We, we were uh, about four miles west of Roncevallas. We skipped ahead to Pomplona. Yeah, so we had to go to Pomplona, find a welder. Yeah. Um, so there there was that. But most of it we did on the trail. Most of the footage I saw in the trailer, uh, there it was all about going uphill, right? Because that's the real effort with you is, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're not a tiny little dude and you're in a big old wheelchair and dragging your sorry butt up a hill is a lot of – it's a pain to do that. It, it is. I want to know about the downhill stuff, though. I mean, was there any times <laughs> where you just let her go and just flew? There's times I thought about it. I really did. 
You know, it's funny you say that, Drew. When we were uh, uh, training for the, the Camino, uh, it was our last oh. hard day of, of training before we took a break, before we left for Spain. Right. We were on a hill called Quail Ridge, and it's about a 25% grade downhill. And I, uh, <laughs> it was all I could do to not let him go. And we would joke, though, that, I mean, what would that be like? I'm strapped to the back of his chair. It would be like a rock skipping across the pond, you yeah. know, down the hill behind an uncontrolled three-wheel baby jogger on steroids. It'd, it'd just be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wrecked my knees. I, I actually had three knee, knee surgeries prior to leaving um, over the various years. And uh, a byproduct of the Camino is that I can't run anymore. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, It was hard on my knees. So I'm 6'4", 240. I had a... Football, I was a punter in the past. I did a little bit of rodeo in the past, and my knees are done. Plus, you know, hockey, right? Every hockey player's got bad knees. And I found that walking the Camino uh, for that long actually helped my knees, just walking through it. But then again, I wasn't towing your friend, right? You know, I wasn't towing a dude <laughs> in a wheelchair. So um, what about the desert part, that long stretch of Saskatchewan? The Maseta. Was that... A weird place for you guys because I've heard from many people that that long stretch of nothingness screws with people's heads so and what I really actually am trying to ask here is did you guys ever knock heads did you ever get ticked off with each other did you ever, did you ever fight you know that's an interesting question Drew uh, and we get that a lot we never had an altercation between the two of us mm -hmm. there we were together for 24 hours a day for six weeks Crazy. And it was yeah, crazy. We've we had altercations since we've been back. Yeah. <laughs> but on the journey, no, we were really locked in, kind of a, a unit um, in a lot of ways. We had moments of frustration when we got lost a few times, um, that kind of thing. But it wasn't anger with each other. It was anger at the situation where we were a united front, collectively angry at something. Yeah. Um, like but, getting lost or getting, right. you know, that type of stuff. But the Maseta, when you said that it was screw with your head, uh, it really messed with me. I had been in a job that was uh, 70 hours a week, high stress, working with a lot of neurosurgeons. Uh, you know, just and my family had suffered over the course of the past four or five years, pretty significantly. I've been a pretty, pretty lackadaisical or um, unengaged father and husband. And the Maseta, when you're going through this region of just constant, you know, lack of variation, it's the same field and the same church in the distance, the same horizon, the same hills, nothing changes for days on end. Dude, how long did it take for that stinking church to get there? Right, right. <laughs> no. I know, it's brutal. You're like, oh my gosh, it's still there. We're not making any closer. But, you know, we met a lot of people that, that skipped the Maseta. So they're trying to condense their Camino. And we're so glad we didn't. And me specifically, because I, uh, I reached a point where we had been on the, on the trail for probably four or five hours with no conversation between the two of us, just a day of silence, had seen pretty much nobody. Just You get those rhythms where sometimes you're with pilgrims day in and day out, and sometimes you just fall into a space where you're alone. We've been alone for quite a while. And the only way I can describe it is like a million like little TV screens behind my eyeballs started to light up with all these scenarios of failing my wife and my kids throughout my entire life. And I was hit with all those at once. And it was a moment where I finally embraced, like, I don't like who I am. I don't like what I've become. What am I going to do about it? And I was overcome with emotion. I'm just weeping while listening to music. We rushed to the next town and uh, find a place where we can get some Wi-Fi. Hop on. We bought an iPad to communicate with the kids and the wives. And uh, hop on, hoping desperately that my wife will get on the phone or on, the, on Skype. She hops on. There's my kids. 
I apologize to my kids. My kids are young enough where they're like not really understanding what I'm saying, but okay, we forgive you, Daddy. They, they leave the room, and I tell my wife that I'm sorry for all the times that I've broken her heart. And uh, her response blew me away. She said, if you never broke my heart, how would I learn to love you more? Shut up. Come on. Boom. Dead serious. And then I just wept. Just wept. I'm like, oh, my word. Wow. That was my necessity. Yeah, well, that was my freaking Camino. I wept for two months, uh, yeah. uh, having the exact same thoughts. What a schmuck I've mm-hmm. been, uh, you know, because that was one of, part of my journey. Sorry. Hey, can we just turn this whole interview around to me, please? Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, what I'm trying to say is I resonate quite strongly with you in what you just said. Justin, the guy beside you, the guy not in the wheelchair, seems to be a bit of a, a mushbag. He seems to cry in every interview. What's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, nothing's wrong with him. He's just, he's, uh, you know, he just wears his heart on his sleeve. He's always been that way. You know, we've known each other for 40, almost 42 years. So, you know, and I get that way too from time to time. But, you know, Patrick's just, he's a, you know, I love him. I love everything about him. This is one of the interesting parts of your journey. It's, it's not just the novelty of pushing a guy in a wheelchair across the Camino. They, I mean, people get that within a millionth of a second. I think it's the friendship that is is something that screws with people's heads more. It's a rare thing that you guys have. And it's so rare, it makes some people, I think, feel uncomfortable. And the reason I know that is because it makes me feel uncomfortable. First of all, I let's turn it around to me again. Wait, it's called the what? Oh, the Drew Marshall Show. Right, yeah. Um, I don't do relationships with guys well at all. I just don't. I, I have an intimacy issue with guys. I, I, I don't know. I should probably go to a shrink and talk about it and stuff. But you guys make me feel really uncomfortable on two levels. One. Oh, sorry. On, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> on, on many levels. Um, one is I what you have kind of weirds me out. But what you have also makes me jealous. And so let's say that there are men out there listening and they're going, yeah, two guys this tight? Whoa, what's that all about? How does that even happen? We get that from time to time. I mean, we've been, we didn't realize really kind of um, the, the breadth of our relationship until after we returned from the Camino when people started asking us, you know, that type of, um, on that topic, like, wait, you guys have been friends for this long and you know, why would Patrick do that for you? And, and, um, you know, and, and a lot of people we found just don't have what you mentioned, the, the lifelong friendships or the deep friendships. Um, you know, we're very firm believers that it just takes intentionality with one another. Hmm. Um, it takes being vulnerable with one another and letting Patrick into my life and the struggles that I've had and allowing him to compliment me where I'm weak and then and vice versa. And vice versa. Um, and, Yes, being on the Camino was a physical journey uh, for the both of us. It's not just Patrick pushing me, and it's not like I'm just you know sipping margaritas all day long and you know saying, "Come on, man, put your back into it." But it was tough. I mean, it was tough on both of us, and it brought us closer to even more um, closer together on a, in a deeper level um, because we have yet another shared experience in our bag, you know, and. And that's what we're all about. We're, we're intentional with one another. And it's almost like, for the sake of a better word, it's almost like a, a marriage, you know, and not being obviously intimate but in that way with one another, but also being intimate in like, hey, man, 
you know, I can, I know I can come to Patrick and say, I'm struggling with this. Um, or you're bugging me because of X, Y, Z. And he can go, okay. You know, he doesn't get offended. He doesn't, um, you know, we can talk it out. We yeah. can say, okay, you know, this is, a this is how it is. Remarkable level of transparency. Yeah. 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 And it takes time to do that. You know, it's not like it's a, a switch you just turn on one day and all of a sudden you got a, you know, BFF forever and, you know, you skip down the road holding hands. It's not like that at all. Mm. It's, we have our ups and downs. The other side to this is that you were friends before the disease got you, right? So it's not like, um, you know, Patrick, you feel like such a loser and such a schmuck in your life and you've been a bad person, a bad dad, a bad husband, I don't know, whatever. And so now you're, you're taking on Buddy here as a pity party, to, you know, some kind of penance uh, to help you relieve your guilt. You guys have l legit been friends for 40 plus years. Yeah, so, we were born a little over 36 hours apart in the same town. I mean, I don't, I don't have memories where he hasn't been part of my life. And vice versa. It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> a part of me is, is like, wh why do this? Uh, why film it even? I can understand you wanting you guys want to be buddies and go have a buddy experience and stuff, but why film it? Okay, this is going to blow your mind because uh, it still blows ours. We had made the decision in 2012 to make this trip together. Um, so fast forward a year or so to 2013, I'm in this job. In spite of the fact that this job at this hospital was uh, torturous at times, my boss was incredible, one of the best guys I've ever worked for. When I asked him for the time off, Justin was actually with his family over in Italy, um, and I uh, we were at a, at a barbecue, and at work barbecue, all my coworkers are there, our teams all together, family, kids, that kind of stuff. And I pull my boss Ed aside and I said, "Hey, incidentally, I need six weeks off next summer." And he's like, "Excuse me, <laughs> you know what boss is going to give their their uh, their employees six weeks off straight, let alone six weeks off in the entire year? I've been banking everything I could to get the time off." from a PTO standpoint. And once I kind of broke down what Justin and I had planned, I mean, he knew who Justin was, but didn't have a full picture of what the Camino was going to be like for us. He said, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to give you the time off, but you have to promise me you guys will do everything in your power to film it. We had not planned on filming it at all. We we're just mm -hmm. going to go. Mm -hmm. When I asked him why, he said, because there's too much hope in this not to share it. If you don't film it, you're selfish and irresponsible. Yep. I like that. That's good. And I, we're like okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, what do you like? Do you go to try to call production companies? Do you try to get funding? Do you like uh, start a GoFundMe thing? Do you sell Girl Scout cookies? What do you do? My Girl Scout cookies. My, yeah, Girl Scout cookies. We're not. We're How about not Girl Girl Guide cookies? Anyway, yes. yeah. Girl. My previous career, I was a graphic designer, and um, in San Diego, California, because that's where I that's where I was living for quite some time. And throughout my my career, I've, I've just known people in the video world. Um, and a good bu a buddy of mine, I went to art school with uh, Terry Parrish. Uh, I approached him. He's a, a co-owner of a video agency based in San Diego. They do uh, commercial storytelling and some other video uh, specialized video content. And I said, hey, uh, you know, after this conversation with Patrick's boss, Pat said, I think we need to you know see if we can get this thing filmed. And I said, well, I know a guy and. Uh, you know, so I reached out to Terry and came into his office, met with his team, and I said, "Here's the deal. I want to go on this. Um, I want to do this with my best friend. Here's my deal. Like, here's my story." Because Terry and I hadn't seen each other in probably 15 years, so you know, he he had known about my disease, but you know, I come strolling into his his office in a wheelchair at that point, so it's 
big disconnect, right? Um, and uh, so got everyone up to speed, and and they were just in, you know, from from day one, and said, okay, we're gonna see about making this happen. And, and there's a whole long story we won't get into. You know, you try to get fundraising. We had big um, aspirations of how, excuse me, of how to do it. We're trying to do a live documentary. That's what we were trying to do originally. Multi episodes. Um, it was over the course of like five weeks or six weeks. We we're gonna do it. Yeah. It caught. It was gonna cost an obscene amount of money. Didn't work out. About a month prior to us leaving, you know, Terry says, Can, you know, get on the horn. He's like, we just can't afford it. Um, and we, you know, can you guys delay it? And we said nope. And uh, he calls us back a week later. And says, all right, I'm coming. We're bringing up. We're gonna bring very skeleton bear, bear skeleton crew. Yeah. And the crew was assembled very last minute. I mean, very last minute. We had one guy come over with us from the states. The rest of the other two guys met us in Spain the night before we were walking. So it was a crazy story <laughs> how that all came about. Oh, um, man. And uh, and there we go. We filmed it from there. Well, so, uh, well, obviously, I'm glad you did, and I'm looking forward to the release. Uh, here's the website for you. It's alpushyou.com. Alpushyou.com. Please don't put an apostrophe in there. Alpushyou.com. Because it won't work, I'm pretty sure. Um, when is it coming no. out? When do we get to see it? Come on. I'm like jonesing for this movie, man. <laughs> well, hey, I will tell you that before the film comes out, we actually have a book coming out June 6th. Available all over. So June 6th is the book release. And we're looking at a uh, late summer, early fall release for the film. Okay. Should have a very clear picture as like a date to announce quite soon. But until we have that hard set in stone, we don't want to throw it out there. Justin, what's physically wrong with you? We all know that you're... You know, there's other things wrong with you. The short list. <laughs> the short list is a lot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. The long list, really long. Um, you know, I uh, so for the listeners who don't aren't familiar with uh, with me personally, I have a progressive neuromuscular disease. Um, it's very, very similar to Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Um, and if, if those people who are aware of that disease, it's uh, it's not a good diagnosis. Um, the the technical diagnosis that I have is called um, it's very long multifocal acquired motor axonopathy. So they call it MAMA for short, M A M A. It's a disease that my uh, my autoimmune system attacks my nervous system and right. then my motor nerves. So not my sensory. So like if you're paralyzed, you can't feel. That's all this. That's all of the sensory nerves. So I can feel everything from head to toe. It's just my my motor nerves, the ones that make your muscles move, um, they don't work anymore. Like my autoimmune system just says stop working, and then my muscles atrophy, and they don't work from there. Is it getting so it's progressive? So it's getting worse and worse yeah. and worse. Uh, yeah. What were you like a year ago? What was different a year ago to now? You know, it's uh, it the disease that I have. It's not like a con it's it's a continual progression, but it it works in the way of like plateaus. So all. Okay. I'll be kind of stable for a while, and then it'll I'll lose function, and then I'll be stable for a while and lose function, and okay. then those plateaus get shorter over time. So it's right over the last year or two, it's been very, it's more, um, aesthetic, minute, you know, um, dexterity type things like yeah. losing function, and you know, it's it's very very slow. So, okay, so uh, this last Saturday, I interviewed a pilgrim I met on the Camino, named Nico. And he is a former world champion kickboxer who was walking the Camino um, before his ALS took over. His verbal 
skills were really, really challenged in the interview. And so much so, that, like, a huge difference between when he was on the show last week and when I was talking to him, well, talking to him, uh, I was typing, he was talking, on the Camino. Um, will you lose your your speech abilities real soon, do you think? Not real uh -huh. soon, but whenever? Uh, yeah, there's a there's a strong possibility my 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 voice will go and and okay. and all that my brain my brain will be completely intact. So so you'll be trapped in a body, uh, pretty much. Yeah. Does that um, not scare the hell out of you? Um. No. Well. Yeah. But. But. No. Um, what? It sounds weird to say that, but I've accepted the disease a long time ago. And it's forced me to to live life in a way that I never thought possible. And you know, yes, there, you know, I've shared with Patrick, you know, in our private conversations about kind of certain markers in my life that I'd like to achieve. You know, one of those is is being able to be alive for when my daughter gets married. Um, I have three children; she's my youngest, and uh, to be there to walk her down the aisle, or maybe stroll down the, you know, roll down the aisle with her. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, part of that does, you know, scare the heck out of you. I mean, how can it not? Um, but I've become over the course of the years of kind of a master of adaptability and you just learn to pivot and adjust and I'll find a way. Uh, I don't know what that way will be, but I'll find a way to still try to be productive as much as I can until my, <clears throat> until my, until I'm here no longer. Justin, uh, what was the first sign that your body was starting to go screwy yeah so when i was uh 15 and a half almost 16 years old i was in a car accident um driving from my hometown to another nearby town a friend of mine was driving and uh ended up rolling the car on the freeway Jeez. and um going about 80 miles an hour um and about six months I, I actually walked away from the accident com completely fine uh some scrapes and bruises but uh, made it and uh about six months later, I started noticing weakness in my left foot. I was running down the, the uh, soccer field or football everywhere else in the world. But, um, <laughs> you know, us Americans like to jack up things. Um, <laughs> and uh, my foot was just kind of flopping around, and that was the, the start of it all. It just wasn't working the way that it should. Just almost kind of like you laying your hand on a table, and you're like, I can feel it, but I can't really – I can kind of move it, but it's not really working the way that it should. Yeah. So by the time you got married, what state were you in? I had uh, double um, what are called drop foot braces. They're orthotics on my feet, and I had a cane to keep me upright. Okay, so your uh, wife your wife knew what she was getting into. Oh, yeah. One of the first times we met on our first date, I told her. Yeah. And she still signed up for this program. Yeah, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. Appar Just, apparently. Yeah. She... Uh, you know, for her, it wasn't really, um, it sounds weird to say, and I'm, I'm not going to speak for her entirely, but it wasn't really an issue. It was, okay, uh, you know, I love this guy, and we, I want to, if it's, if we got four years, I'm in. Four years, you know, or whatever we got, we're going to make, we're going to make the best of it. And we've kind of started off our marriage that way, and now we're going to pass our 17th year. I've known her for almost 20 years. She happened to end up going into nursing and being a spinal cord injury rehab nurse at the Veterans Hospital. Um, and so that training that she received through that and through her time 
in our job um, has incredibly impacted our relationship because it's, you know, she knows how to care for me and, and do all that type of stuff. Um, <clears throat> okay, let me ask you guys, uh, and by the way, just to remind everyone, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show, and uh, we are speaking with Justin Skizak and Patrick Gray from I'll Push You, a heartfelt film about 500 miles, two best friends, and one wheelchair. Guys, being on the Camino and so focused on the wheelchair stuff, do you think you missed anything about the Camino that other people maybe would have been hunkering down into? Because, for example, me doing the Camino in a vow of silence really forced me to drop in and focus on things I needed to focus on. But you guys couldn't always focus on internal stuff because you were so focused on the journey, on the task, on the chair, on the terrain. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say that we probably did experience things differently and may have missed out on some things. But I think the flip side to that coin is that we were in situations where pilgrims came alongside of us and volunteered a remarkable amount of assistance and love and just poured into our situation that we would never have experienced if we weren't in the situation we were in. Yeah. And so while definitely it's different, it has a different landscape, I think every Camino is that way. If we go back and did it again, it's going to be different for us. If yeah. I go back and do it with myself or my wife, it's going to be an entirely different experience because of the circumstances and those moments of incredible love from our fellow man. Yeah. Wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's we're firm. We're firm believers. There's a couple of things that you know, when we went into this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there was multiple times where, you know, we were like, okay, we can't rush. We can't rush because you have the. It takes us long. I mean, just flat out takes us longer to get from point A to point B. I mean, going up a hill is like a snail's pace. Going downhill is somewhat the same. When you're on the flats, we, you know, the chair pretty much pulls you, you know, through pulls you because it's heavy. So, you know, there's there was that constant desire to okay, we got to make, we got to keep going, we got to keep going, we got to keep making it. And after a while, you're you don't you end up focusing on that. Um, but going into the journey, we tried to keep our expectations, you know, spe specifically about the Camino because it's a very personal experience. Mm. And some people, in like you, like yourself, you know, you're going into it probably seeking something. Um, for for me individually, is different than Patrick. I was just, I was just wanting it to unfold in front of me mm. and just, just to see how it unfolds. And whether or not we made it or not, I mean, we're going to give it a shot. Um, didn't really matter. It was more like, okay, look, we're going to give it a shot and we're going to go for it. And we're just going to, we describe it as throwing ourselves into a blender and seeing how we come out on the other side mm. and, uh, and just letting it be what it needs to be and not having any expectations of it. And I think with that mindset, I think both of us going into it, it really helped because it did allow us to, when those moments came along where fellow man came along and helped us. It just, you can almost sit back and go, this is, this is cool, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, um, okay, well, let, let me ask you about um, giving and receiving. So, mm -hmm. you know, Patrick, you get to be the, you get to be the giver in this and, and uh, you get to look all heroic. And if you were single, the chicks would dig you because you did this and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> and, and, but Justin uh, now, you've had years to get used to this. If it was a, I was in a car accident two years ago, or like my friend Nico, who whose ALS is finally kind of getting a hold of him in a, in a real scary way, 
you know, and, and, and he has to ask me to help him do up his pants. Um, man, as a guy's, you know, as, as macho, stubborn men stuff, that is a shot to the ego. Now, look at your scenario, and there's that one scene where all these people are helping you up the stupid hill, and they're carrying you, and, and it's so beautiful from an outsider's perspective, but we, we can only help but put ourselves in your chair. I would feel so unworthy of everyone's help. Like, don't, like, oh, man, like, I feel like such a schmuck. You got to help me do this. You got to help me do that. You know, you've had years to deal with this, but still, to help us understand what it's like for a group of strangers to help you up a mountain. That's ridiculous. It is. Um, it's very, I can tell, I can tell you that it's very humbling. Um, I've had very humbling experiences in my life, you know, talking about strangers coming over and pulling up my pants, you know, it's, uh, I've had that before. I've had, I've had some very humbling experiences with that. And, you know, Patrick is, you know, along this whole pilgrimage was my caregiver. I mean, we not only walk 12, 15, 20 miles a day, um, but he's there to help me in the shower and go to the bathroom and stuff like that. So it's a very humbling experience. But hold on, you just know, when just you... pause there. Just just pause there for a second. Yeah. This is a question I'm trying not to be a jerk about, but I, jerk. this is where people's yeah. minds I think go. Uh, Patrick, do you have to wipe his bum? Yeah, man. You do everything, man. Yeah. So okay, sorry. I I had to get that. It's okay. It's okay. So, you know, you're you're talking about getting used to that. You know, it's when you have. In our case, um, you know, it was Osobrero, and I was literally carried up that mountain. It took six people to carry me at any given time because it was just so steep and very, very difficult terrain. And um, you know, to be in the epicenter of that, you know, there it's it's a beautiful thing because what I've learned in my life is by allowing people to come into my life to augment me where I'm weak to you talk about giving and receiving right i have to receive a lot but it sounds weird but i'm actually by allowing people in to help me um whether if it's patrick wiping you know wiping me in the bathroom or you know my wife caring for me or complete strangers carrying me up a mountain i've learned that when i deny someone that opportunity to help me mm. i actually deny them joy in life because as humans you know, we're happy to give to one another. You know, you always say it's better, it's better to give than receive, right? You always hear that, that statement. Mm. Where I believe it's better to give, you know, and receive. Because, you know, that people are so happy. Why would I want to, why would I want to deny someone happiness? And it, it's humbling. It, it's a muscle that you need to continually flex. It's not just like this thing you just learn one day and then you're, you know, you're good. You know, mm. it's a, it's something I have to learn all the time. I mean, even when Patrick and I, you know, we're going to be traveling this upcoming week and he'll probably have to help me in some way, you know, it's humbling, very humbling, man, man. but he's happy. He's happy to do it. And it brings us closer together. Um, it brought us closer together with those fellow pilgrims on the trail. And, um, and you did you have to let your guard down, let people in, you know, it's a beautiful thing when you allow it to happen. Uh, at the risk of being a little melodramatic, whatever is going on here between you guys is as close to Jesus and the disciples as I can imagine. And I'm not saying one of you is Jesus and one of you is the disciples, because I don't want one of you to think you're Jesus. Not even close. <laughs> no. <All the> <laughs> 
But what I'm talking about is just that real brotherly love stuff, you know, that that band of brothers, uh, you know, even the, if you want to change gears and take it to the army thing or, you know, serving overseas, you got each other's backsides, literally, right? So, but I do, I do want to ask about the God stuff. This is the Camino. It's a pilgrimage. A lot of people just do it because it's, you know, it's a great chance to clear their head and look into their soul and get all Oprah on themselves. But I, but is there God stuff in your world, you guys? Uh, Patrick, you, did you grow up with God stuff? Yeah, we did. We grew up in a Christian home, uh, both of us in a Nazarene church. Uh, and I would say that uh, the the Camino itself rocked our worlds in a lot of ways from a um, how we look at God and how we look at relationships. And going back to that that story of Justin being carried up the hill in you know, Osobrero and allowing people to do that for him, um, that was kind of a, a pinnacle shift in my mindset about God and the God I, I thought I believed in and the God I embraced on that day, because that was the first time where I was truly not at the helm. We had help throughout this journey, but I was there were moments I was 100 yards back watching people do what I couldn't do. Um, I had this idea in my head that I was going to get Justin all the way to Santiago, and there's no way in hell I could have done on my own. No, no. There's no way. But until I was willing to, to get out of the way and allow others to do what I couldn't, that wasn't a reality for the one of us. And the reason I, I bring that up is, is I think about that. You talk about the relationship of, of the disciples and Jesus, that brotherly love. The, the best way that Justin and I can engage in life is to allow each other to love all of each other. So all the flaws, the fears, the failures got to be on the table just as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. And because of that kind of mindset, relationship is the focus of everything we do, whether it's with each other. The small, you know, we have a small group, the guys in that group. I mean, we are tight. And they know all of us in every intimate detail, and we're okay with that. And when that happens, relationship takes precedence over religion. And really the religion, the check boxes, the God in the box, all that crap mm. goes away. And we embrace that <clears throat> concept of love that Jesus embodied. Um, and it's a, a muscle we have to flex on a daily basis. But that's where, in spite of the fact that I grew up in a Christian home with a kind of traditional Christian mindset um, it's evolved a lot to where mm-hmm. love is in the driver's seat. And if I don't have love in the driver's seat, I'm a waste of air. Man, I want to hang out with you guys. Jeez. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> come on down. We'll come up, man. <laughs> you like nope. to have fun. Humor I, plays into a lot, but yeah. 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 It has to play into it a lot. I mean, uh, like uh, sarcasm is my love language. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, when I guess what I'm saying is, that's that's one of the big regrets I have in life is not being real tight with with anybody. You know, that I've, I've done the whole Simon and Garfunkel, I am an island thing, typical guy. Uh, and uh, and I look at what you guys got, and I'm jealous. I'm just stupid jealous. I feel like a catty little schoolgirl. I'm jealous. <laughs> you know, I, I think that, you know, especially men – I think it's it's achievable for anybody. Um, you just have to be willing to go there, and you know, to get off your island and to allow people. You know, life's better when you enjoy it with other fellow man. You know, and and if you can have a, uh, you know, a brother to you know, not even a little brother or just a a friend that becomes like a brother. Um, you know, it's much more fun to live life together and to. And uh, know that I can go to Patrick and say, you know what, I've been an I've been an idiot this week. Um, I failed here. What do you think? 
you know, um, am I doing this wrong or, or what's going on or, or just like, Hey man, I'm really struggling with this or, yeah, but you, do, you, do you really do that though? And I mean about the icky, nasty, below the surface, oh, yeah. dark yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. You know, and to piggyback on that, I think that's one thing that actually has impacted our, our marriages in a positive light because a lot of people that I know, they have this concept that their spouse is like supposed to meet all their needs and talk about setting someone up for failure. And by having this and I can name a handful of the guys that we just hang out with and our wives have the same kind of stuff with the girlfriends, it allows those things that my wife can be for me and I can be for my wife for us to pour more energy into with them and now our relationship is even more solid hmm. uh, as opposed to expecting her to fulfill all these <clears throat> these little puzzle pieces that only Justin can fit or someone else can fit. Justin, wouldn't it have been great? And sorry, we're, I, I'm, this is a, another bit of a segue into your God thing because we heard about Patrick and his God stuff, but <laughs> I want to hear about yours. Wouldn't it have been a great if, you know... While on the Camino, this great spiritual pilgrimage, God would have healed you and you could have walked. And maybe somewhere along your life, someone in the church somewhere has said to you, we're going to pray for your healing. And maybe you still expect to be healed. I don't know what your denominational background or baggage is. No. Um, you know, that happens to me all the time. You know, I'm praying for your healing or praying for this. But, you know, I always graciously or try to graciously accept prayer because I believe it, it helps in the long run for sure. Um you know, my my faith background, just talking about that, is very it mirrors Patrick's a lot. We were born, you know, went to the same church growing up and all that. Um, you know, Christ is a cornerstone for in my life. And I've through the disease that I have and even in my marriage and my relationship with Patrick and my kids and everything else, is I've had to lean on that incredibly. And prayer and faith is a huge part of that. And while, you know, we we're born and raised in a Nazarene church, I think, you know, we we still you know, I, I respect the religion and all that, so I'm not going to bag on that at all. But it's, uh, you know, we do, I definitely echo what Patrick said. It's about loving one another as Christ called us to love one another. And that's the world that we live in or that we should be living in. And it's not like the hippie kind of, you know, love, peace, you know, that type of stuff. It's more just like this true love. And love can be tough. It can be <clears throat> soft. It can be sweet. It can be, you know, engaging. And it takes many shapes. Um and, you know, there's, I, without a doubt, I've questioned throughout my disease progress. And, you know, you're talking about um, uh, the, the miraculous healing, you know, if, if, if I was to just be healed one day. Um, would it be awesome? Yeah, of course. It'd be great. You know, I get really tired of sitting in a wheelchair every day for, you know, 18 hours a day or whatever it is. But, and it's, chal it's challenging for sure. It makes life difficult and it's going to sound really odd when I say this um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because I wouldn't be here today talking with you and having the film that we've gone through and that's just one tiny example but I wouldn't be here today in this situation if it wasn't for my, the, the disease that I have and the impact I've seen it had on my wife and my children in a positive way. Right. Well, then, you know what the theological warriors, the doctrinal certainists would say about this. Well, then, of course, you're not going to get healed because you're happier being in a wheelchair. Yeah. Being healed is Ir irrelevant. Irrelevant. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Right. You know, what are you going to do about it? 
am I going to sit around and complain my rest of my life and go, woe is me, life is horrible, why is God doing this to me? Right. I've met people like that, and it's a horrible way to live. Um, everyone has their challenges that, that they're working through in their life, and it may not be physical like mine by any means. There's everyone, and if you don't, then you're full of crap. You're full of crap because <laughs> because you're yeah, you know everyone has their things. Mine just happens to be on the physical nature. Yeah. So it's how you respond to it and how you engage with others and <clears throat> and to live life moving forward that will really set the tone for how you um, can live a full life. Okay, you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Uh, we are in our Camino Confessions segment. Uh, when I did the Camino, I decided to do a little thing called CaminoConfessions.com where I just basically vomited all over the pages, and uh, some of it was quite awkward. Uh, so feel free to go there and read that. But you'll also uh, hear from various sort of Camino gurus that I've interviewed over the last uh, six months or so, uh, including these guys, Justin Skizak and uh, Patrick Gray from I'll Push You, a heartfelt film about 500 miles, two best friends, and one wheelchair. The website is I'llPushYou.com. I'llPushYou.com. There's a book coming out very soon, so uh, creep on these guys. Follow them on Facebook and whatever else. Uh, and then the movie will come out eventually, and then we'll all sit in the theaters and cry, just like I did last week watching The Shack. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know whether it's because I'm 50 now or because I'm a grandfather or because I just walked the Camino or because I've spent most of my life trying not to cry, and now the floodgates are open. But, I mean, I almost cried at the Dairy Queen drive through the other day. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's good. It's good to cry for once in a while. Man, it's hard, you know. Like, you know, you just you, – it's a sign of weakness, right? Yes. Like, I'm crying. I'm weak. You know, men don't cry. I, I don't know. We cry a lot, and it's fine. You know. <laughs> well, listen, no let, let me wrap this up by, by just complaining about one more thing. Um, it, yeah. it took me two months to do the Camino. You guys did it in how many days? 34 days. 34, 34 days. Yeah, and one of you is in a wheelchair. Screw you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were surprised ourselves we made it in that time period, but, hey. you know. Yeah. Well, I, I took my time. I was... I was writing along the way. Okay, that's why it took me so long. Yeah, that's that's the reason why. <laughs> anyway, what a what a real. Ugh, this was a convicting interview for me. This was um, timely for me as well. I just seem to keep turning things around to me. Um, I hope that whatever is going on here between you guys and the documentary and the book and this relationship, I'm glad that the dude at the hospital forced you, your boss forced you to film this puppy because he was spot on. Whatever this is, is it's a contagion. That's what you guys are. And I hope you infect us with whatever this is. <laughs> Thanks. Well, thanks, Joe. Thank you, man. <laughs> it's been a blessing for sure. Yeah, it has been. It's been oh, really yeah. fun. I probably should have just said that. Yeah, it's a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, again, folks. I the... like contagion. Okay, that, that'll work. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with your rash, too, guys, by the way. Um, Thanks, Thank you. I'llPushYou.com. <laughs> uh, That's the website. I'llPushYou.com. And again, we've been chatting with Justin Skizak and Patrick Gray from I'll Push You, a heartfelt film about 500 miles, two best friends in one wheelchair. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Drew.